And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Christine Steimer. Hello. And filling in for Miss Brittany Brombacher, it's the one and only Jessica Chobot. Hi. Thanks for having me. We are so glad glad that we were... Finally able to get you on the show. Um, For people who possibly don't know, I don't know how they could not know who you are. Uh, Jessica is a a lady of all trades. She is hosting the Bizarre States podcast. She's the founder of the Geek Chic fashion brand Vogue Leader. And uh, most recently, you guys may have seen her hosting on Discovery's Expedition X series. You are just wearing all kinds of hats. Plus, you're working on your own content on your YouTube channel, too. Yeah, yeah. It's been a little bit of everything. Yeah, Bizarre States. Well, we actually changed the name because we left Nerdist and we revamped it. And so now it's called The Untold Hour and it rolls out of Starburns audio. And so, but it's essentially the same thing. Like, it's just a name change, basically. Um, And so that's been a lot of fun. And I had done that in order to get into the paranormal because I've always really liked it. And that ended up leading me into doing the Expedition X show for Discovery. So that's how that bridge kind of got built. And then, um, yeah, and so then in the meantime, I was just like, well, I've got all this extra free time now because once Expedition X wrapped, it was like a lot of work for three to four months. And then, you know, once you shoot everything, it's in the can, you're done. So I had all this extra free time and I was like, oh, I might as well, let's, let's try the YouTube channel thing. Let's see how it goes. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah it's one of those kind of like you have to sit around and wait things that is frustrating as... Uh, somebody who does a lot of on-camera and producing work, you're like, okay, cool. My project was really fun, and now I don't have a project yet. And so got to go look for another project. Yeah, and the thing, too, is like I don't – I'm at a point, I think, in my career where – and especially after the Expedition X thing, where that was the one thing I had left to do that I really wanted to do. Like it's the one thing, like the paranormal – dipping my toe in that space, having a a fun show like that was the one thing that was kind of left on my bucket list item of things I would want to do as a host. And when that landed, I was like, okay, well, everything from here on out is kind of icing or, you know, icing on the cake, cherry on top of the sundae, however you want to say it. Uh, And so then I figured, well, I'm not going to wait around to find the perfect show because that really is just whatever at this point. Like, I've, I've done my perfect show. I had the Expedition X show, which for me was perfect. So now I'll just do the fun stuff that I've always wanted to do and explore that I've never really gotten a chance to let have a moment to breathe. And that's where the Vogue Leader comes in. That's where my um, personal YouTube channel comes in. And then, you know, who knows where it'll 
it'll lead to. I'll tell you, considering the situation we are currently in with the pandemic, I'm really glad I decided to launch a YouTube channel show before I uh, before everything um, forced everybody to watch nothing but the internet and TV. So. Yeah, you know, talk about coincidental timing. It's a good time for me to have a studio at my house. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. Very fortuitous. <laughs> yeah. So I am bummed, though, that we don't have you here in the studio. But once, you know, we hopefully, you know, get out of the situation that we're currently in, we would love for you to come back, especially when we can have Brittany come down. Um, and speaking of which, you guys obviously need to notice that Brittany isn't here with us this week. Um, she is taking care of some family stuff. Um but we are super glad that Jessica could be here. We don't have a ton of time with her, though. So we're going to go ahead and just get right into some things. I do have a couple of quick announcements. If you guys missed it, Britt did an unboxing video of her Resident Evil 3 Collector's Edition. Um, there's plenty of your favorite Brit faces abounding in that video. It's actually pretty funny. And she does like a little mini recap slash review slash spoiler cast at the end of the video. So if you haven't played it yet, you might want to wait to watch that. Um, and I was talking with Rihanna after last week's episode and she was like you know it'd be really fun if we put together a what's good gains community movie night a lot of people are doing these netflix watch alongs and so i said that sounds like a great time so we decided to do a what's good games movie matinee and it's going to take place on saturday april 18th at 11 a.m pacific time so mark it in your calendars if you guys want to join us uh, for a watch along because we found out that they're streaming mortal Kombat on netflix <laughs> And I nice. love that movie so much. Um, and so we will be promoting that on social again if you guys are like, ooh, that sounds fun. So hopefully you guys can join us at twitch.tv slash what's good games for that. And speaking of which, if you guys haven't caught us on the Monday show yet, live at 11 a.m. Pacific time every Monday on our Twitch channel. It's a fun, like, shorter version of the show. Hopefully you guys have listened to it at your podcast feed. And because we made our affiliate status, I've been slowly adding emotes and now not only is the Brit emote live, the Steimer emote is live as well. Aww, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> Steimer is forever going to be in, in graphical form. It's it's adorable and cute. I'm working on mine. I found a really funny face that I am making because the thing about picking Twitch emotes is that you don't want to just pick something that is kind of generic. You want to have something that you want people to use in a very specific way. And that has been harder for me to figure out than I anticipated. <laughs> yeah, you got to have um, a little think, bit of something, something. Yeah. So I think I have, I think I have one. It's kind of like an oh no face. So like, oh no. Like that kind of <laughs> All right. Thank you so much to this month's Patreon producers. Chewie's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Ate, Mohammed Mohammed, Marcus Brown, Punctified, and Molly Bittner. And welcome to our Patreon community at patreon.com slash what's good games. This week, it's Wavy Chula, Marcus, Steph Maurizio, Christopher Zorn, Pupfire, Tuck Bonham, Luke Lore, Pineapple Pizza Sucks MD. <laughs> I see what you did there. Great uh, William Specht Casper, Matthew Proietto, Toy Mealing and Alfred Printup. Thank you so much to everybody for supporting everything we do here at What's Good Games on our Patreon page. Um, we're going to skip the podcast reviewers for this week because I kind of want to leave that as Brett's thing. And I think it's time to get into the news. 
But one more message before we do that, and it's a message from one of our sponsors here at What's Good Games. It's Honey. So we've talked about Honey before because they make online shopping easy, and boy, oh boy, is everybody doing online shopping these days. But what can sometimes be challenging about it is finding the coupon codes that you want that actually work. You always type them in, and it's not valid, or it expired, or the thing in your cart doesn't work. Well, good news. If you've got Honey, then those problems are going to be a thing of the past. Honey is the free online shopping tool that saves you money online. Honey automatically finds the best promo codes and applies them to your cart, which makes shopping finally feel as easy as it's supposed to be. Now imagine you're shopping at one of your favorite sites, Target, Best Buy, Sephora, Macy's, etc. You go to checkout, a little box drops down, and then all you have to do is click Apply Coupons. You wait a few seconds for it to scan every promo code they can find on the internet, and boom! Watch the prices drop. So I was recently using Honey when I was shopping at Target, actually, um, because I decided that I really needed candles. So oh, my I God. Yes. Candle finish, right. <laughs> yes. And I was like, you know, I need more candles in my life. Um, and what's great about Honey is that I don't have to go like Google Target promo code. You just click the button and boom, uh, Honey applies everything for you. Or if you already have the best price, they let you know that, too. So you don't waste your time going and searching for codes that are never going to work for you anyway. So it's been a really great time for me with Honey because I also love building Honey Gold, which you can then cash in for gift cards for stuff that you're buying anyway. And it's a super easy browser extension to install. Um, And Honey supports over 30,000 stores online and something that they're adding more to every single day. And the users that use Honey also love it because it has over 100,000 five-star reviews on the Google Chrome store. That's a lot of people leaving five-star reviews. Steimer, do you think someday What's Good Games can get 100,000 five-star reviews. I, it's a it's a gold shoot. <laughs> I'll tell you, you sold me on Honey. I'm going to download it right now, actually. I've done nothing but buy yes. candles online. <laughs> well, if you want to join Jessica and, and get Honey, you got to go to joinhoney.com slash what's good because not using Honey is literally passing up free money. It's free to use and installs in just two clicks. And if you want to help out What's Good Games, go to joinhoney.com slash what's good to get honey for free. That's joinhoney.com slash what's good. Start saving money on your candles today. Legit. I just signed up. Like I did it. <laughs> like, Woo. It's in there now. Thank you so much. <laughs> I was Seriously, like, wait, no, oh, this sounds great. This sounds exactly like what I would use this for. Perfect. The the gold really racks up over time. Like I hadn't checked on it in a while and then I logged back in and I had over like 12,000 honey gold. So I ordered like a $100 Amazon gift card and I was very excited about it. Heck yeah. Um, yeah. So even if you're on a site and honey doesn't have a code because there's just no codes available um, at that given time, um, what they'll do is that you can still earn gold by um, being logged in through your browser extension. Um, so it's, it's nice. It's Very free cool. stuff. Love like free it. stuff. I love that. Okay, here we go. Uh, the first story is kind of a fun one. Introducing DualSense, the new wireless game controller for PlayStation 5. So I'm not going to go through this entire write-up from the PlayStation blog, um, but I have it all here for you ladies if you want to take a look. I mm-hmm. think what's been really interesting about watching the reactions to the controller Obviously, the look seems to be very divisive. It's the first time that PlayStation has done a two-tone look. I'm going to just look at the 
specific thing about the colors. So on the blog, um, it says, now let's talk about the colors. Decided on a two-tone design. Additionally, we changed the position of the light bar that will give it an extra pop. It now sits at each side of the touchpad, giving it a slightly larger look and feel. So it's interesting to me that they decided to keep the light bar. I was kind of hoping that they were going to get rid of it. Um, I also am hoping that they are going to allow you to turn the light bar off because that's really a big drain on battery life, which is why the DualShock 4 has such a notoriously short battery life is because of that of that light bar. Uh, what do you ladies think of the look of this controller? Uh, I love it. <laughs> I think it's really, I think, I know a lot of people say, oh, it's looking more and more like an Xbox controller. I mean, I can see why they're saying that, but to me, the way that they have managed to to still kind of streamline, I'm looking at it right now while we're talking, still kind of streamline the two sides where you would rest your hands on the top, you know, like, like the outline of Mm -hmm. it, the like actual, what you'll actually be holding is definitely a lot bigger and a little bit more Xboxy, but image wise, the way that they were, they managed to kind of keep that same shape that the PlayStation controllers are known for. I, you know, I don't, I see it. I'm like, yeah, okay. I, I buy this. This is like, fa- you know, phase five for PlayStation. And I kind of dig it. And anything that looks a little bit more, um, a little bit more futuristic and all that jazz is kind of up my alley. I like the light bar being there. I I know, yes, dra- definite drain on battery life, but I am a lot of style over substance sometimes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so for me, I'm like, wow, that looks really sexy. If anything else, I would say I'd want it to be brighter, like a brighter blue so that it really pops. But um, I did see some fan mock-ups of it look being all matte black, and that also looked just as lovely. So hopefully oh, they yeah. do that. That was a question from one of our patrons. Beatrice Manrique wrote, what's your favorite fan-made skin of the DualSense controller so far? We are seeing a lot of mock-ups of the DualSense. So I actually haven't seen you... any, but that's interesting that you say that. I think actually the two-tone is more interesting to me only because what they visually have done with it by blocking out with the black is they made it look more like the old boomerang um, controller of years past. I don't remember which PlayStation that was, but like, like they made it look more boomerangy shape just by doing mm-hmm. that. But I feel like that would be lost if you did it all matte black, and then it would just look like an Xbox controller. Well, so that well, yeah, kinda. If you do it all matte black, because it reminds you more of the traditional PlayStation color scheme, it doesn't seem as xboxy i don't i don't know to me the white the two-tone looks more xboxy but at the same time i still enjoy it the matte black looks more traditional playstation but um yeah i don't know i'm torn like listen at the end of the day as long as it works that's all i care about yeah i just want to like hold it and get a sense for how it feels because yes again when i saw it i was like oh it's chunkier it seems it looks a little chunkier than normally the playstation controllers are and that can either be a good thing or a bad thing for me if it's more of like an xbox controller shape i'm fine with that like that size works but if it's anything a little fatter than that i'm not I'm, it's going to be more difficult for me to hold because i have I would agree well, it's, it's good that you <laughs> mentioned that because apparently playstation is thinking about this as well um they say that their design teamed 
uh, worked closely with the hardware engineers about the placement of triggers and actuators, specifically wanting to be, you know, um, cognizant of the fact that if they didn't place them correctly, it would make the controller feel bulkier. Um, they said that the designers were then able to draw the lines of how the exterior of the controller would look and feel with the challenge of making the controller feel smaller than it really looks. Um, they also said that, let's see here, I'm talking about haptic feedback. I thought that they said they were specifically, maybe I cut that, I trimmed that part out of this. They were talking specifically about making it for a more wider variety of hand sizes. Oh yeah, at the bottom here. DualSense has been tested by a wide range of gamers with a variety of hand sizes in order for us to achieve the comfort level we wanted with great ergonomics. So, I mean, that's good. I actually feel like all, like at this point, this generation and, and, and even the one previous, for the most part, I mean, in general, for the most part, all of these controllers feel really good currently. Like it's hard, like at all the tweaks and all the advancements that we're going to have at this point out feel like they're going to be like tiny little things and a lot of just visual rather than structural, even though I'm sure a lot of work goes into the structural, but like Christine was saying, as long as they keep it kind of within, you know, just for the reference of Xbox, as long as they kind of keep it in that that wheelhouse of shape size and not go any bigger, I think that is, a, I think that's a good kind of generalized size for everyone. You know, maybe you go yeah. on. To, I, I don't know. I just I feel like the, these controllers that we currently have are, are also still really, really good. And uh, I just don't know what you could do to change that to improve it by like leaps and bounds rather than like small little tweaks here and there. It's all about yeah, those I think minor improvements the- to quality of life. <laughs> that's that's, <laughs> that's the next generation. <laughs> I mean, that's all we can really ask for. I'm not, I don't want them to reinvent the wheel here. I think that this looks cool. I think that, you know, the, you know, the steps that they're taking to make it more innovative are going to not really be something that you're going to, understand until you get to play a game with it and feel Mm -hmm. what they mean about integrating audio with the triggers and changing the way that they're integrating rumble with gameplay etc etc it sounds cool but like that to me is all like i don't really need that stuff i think it's i think it's a nice added bonus but Mm -hmm. i just needed to feel good i needed the sticks and the buttons to feel good and if it's you know just an iteration of DualShock Four, then I'm in because I really liked the DualShock Four. Yeah, I, I mean, there's never been a game that's had audio and like audio used within the controller that's really blown my mind. I think the only little addition add-on that I was ever really like, whoa, that's super cool, was like Rumble. And other than that, it's like, oh, that's neat that you know when I use this thing, I can hear a baby crying, but through my controller. But I don't really. You know. I hated that in Death Stranding. I hated it. I mean, it I didn't like, really. Make it, yeah, stop. It, it didn't really do anything for me weird. or make the game. If anything, it kind of took me out of the game because I'm like, wait, where's that sound coming from? And then I'm like, oh god, oh my controller, ugh, you know, it's in not, the yeah. controller, it's in the controller. It's like, I don't know. Well, we will keep an eye on PlayStation for the upcoming reveal of the box. There are also lots of people who are doing mock-ups of what the box could look like and if it's going to match the controller. Um, I love watching people's imaginations run wild, but I have a feeling they're going to keep the box probably a little bit more um, streamlined. It better be two-toned, because if you're going to make a two-toned controller, the box best follow. (laughs) 
<laughs> Listen, I, you know, I'm in. I'm in. Um, all right. Speaking of their competitor, Xbox had an Inside Xbox episode this week. And Kotaku did a little write-up. I'm not going to read every single one of these bullet points because they did cover quite a few things in the Inside Xbox. But I think some of the highlights for me uh, were that we learned that the Xbox Series X games can be stored on any external hard drive, that they'll need to be moved to the internal memory or the official Seagate expansion drive in order to play them because that was a big thing people were kind of up in arms about after they unveiled some of the details about Xbox and their proprietary hard drives. So interesting to know, still a little bit of a pain in the butt, but... I guess, you know, it's kind of a compromise, at least for the time being. Um, there's going to be a bunch of new games coming to Xbox Game Pass, including Journey to the Savage Planet, which has been one of my faves so far this year. Um, there's also Football Manager 2020 is coming. And then um, Mist Over and Stranger Things 3, the game. I never ended up playing that. Did either of you play the Stranger Things game? I did not. No, I did not. Yeah, I didn't either. Oh, well, maybe a way to check it out because it's free on Xbox Game Pass. I'll tell you, I um, love that also... Games Pass. I love yeah. it. Love it. It's so good. Okay. I use it yeah, let's... constantly. We were talking right before we started recording that you are playing Sea of Thieves right yeah. now. Yeah, so I'm playing Sea of Thieves with my son because my nephew, who lives in Michigan, uh, plays it as well, and they want to hang out with each other. And so I was trying to, A, figure it out for myself because I figure, well, now that we're all stuck in the house, I might as well play it as well. I might as well play it as well. I might as well play it too. <laughs> and uh, and uh, also to keep an eye on my kid. And it's been a lot of fun. It's super, super, it's super fun. And it's just nice that because, you know, I was like, I didn't realize it was available on the Game Pass when I first thought up the idea to do this with the like our nephew and my kid. So... I was like, oh, how am I going to get the game? Like, I'm going to have to download it digitally. Well, you know, our internet situation at the house right now, because everybody at home is kind of garbage, so it's going to take forever to download, da 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 Okay, well, you know, it's just like nothing I couldn't do, but a lot of steps to get there, of, and a lot of like pre-worry of, am I going to be able to accomplish downloading this game? Because I can't go out and run out and grab whatever I need to grab. And uh, and not that that's any different of how you normally live your life with games, because I'm pretty much fully digital anyway, but it was just like, huh, I don't want to deal with this right now. And then I walked over there and it was like, hey, free on Game Pass. And I'm like, yes, dink, <laughs> and hit the button and <laughs> let it download. And it downloaded really fast and it was great and we were good to go. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So they did announce this week that the next Sea of Thieves update is happening on April 22nd. Uh, it's called Ships of Fortune, and it features an expanded reputation system, an overhauled competitive mode, new cosmetics, and perhaps most importantly, cats, everybody. You can cat, have a kitty cat, cat. Sea of Thieves. It's about time. Um, you weren't allowed to have cats on a ship. I thought they were bad luck. Cats and women know. were not allowed on ships, on pirate ships, right? <laughs> that was the thing. I thought that was the I thing. Mean, the women thing I definitely know because I'm rewatching Pirates of the Caribbean right now, the whole series. Um, and they talk about that a lot in the first couple movies. Um, but the cats thing makes sense too because cats don't really want to be around water. And with the way that boats move around, it feels very anti-cat, right? Yeah, um, maybe the cats will like stay on shore. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, They'll wait for you at port. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that would be cute. I don't. Uh, cats don't generally like run up to you like right. a dog does. But I'm gonna look this. I had a cat that did. 
Do cats go on pirate ships? I'm looking it up. <laughs> okay. What a thing While to she looks that up, I'm going to just quickly recap a couple of the things, then we're going to move on to our next story. As I mentioned, we're moving at a clip here this oh, week, wait. everybody. Wait, wait. They were. Cats were an excellent okay. animal to have on board seafaring vessels, especially pirate ships. Yes. Mm. To kill all the ra- the ratty poos that come on board. Yeah. That's that makes cool. Sense. Okay. There you go. Today I just, learned. That just sent me on a, on a hole into, <laughs> were there any cats on the Titanic? I don't know. Let's find out. There were. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That's there horrible, were, you guys. I know that sucks. Uh, how much is it to ship oh, a cat? I don't know. I don't know. We could go. That that's a that's a sidebar uh, podcast right there. Okay, so when when we have you into the studio, we'll make that the the topic <laughs> of our conversation. The weird and random places that you can find cats in history. Perfect. Um, <laughs> if you guys want to check out the rest of the uh, recap, Kotaku has it all written up for you. Um, something that I just wanted to mention also was that um, I know a lot of people are looking forward to Minecraft Dungeons. That is going to be releasing on May 26th, in case you guys were um, anxious about that game. It got a lot of really good, um, not reviews, but previews from other members of the press that I know. They got a chance to to get hands-on time with it. So, um, all right, let's move on to our final story of this segment. Uh, Google Stadia is now free to anyone with a Gmail address, writes Polygon. There's a lot of people. So the pl- I mean, that is a lot of people. I would be curious how many people have Gmail addresses. They probably have never publicly announced that. I don't think Those people have multiple emails. It probably doesn't even mm-hmm. matter. Um, anyway, back to the story. Um, Stadia is now free to anyone with a Gmail address, the company announced this week. To sweet the deal, Google is giving new users two months of Stadia Pro, including access to nine games for free. Existing Pro subscribers won't be charged for the next two months of service, Google has said. Previously, access to Stadia required purchasing the 120 $29 Premier Edition, a bundle that included a Chromecast Ultra, a wireless Stadia controller, and three months of Stadia Pro. The service offered free games and video streams up to 4K resolution and 60 frames a second in HDR lighting. As of April 8th, access to the base level version of Stadia, uh, games that stream at a maximum resolution of 1080p will be free by signing up at the Stadia website. Uh, Users still have to purchase games to own them, but those games uh, can be played on a PC, Chrome OS tablet, Google Pixel phone, and other supported Android devices. Still missing that iOS support! A Stadia controller can be purchased separately for $69, but is not required. Users can also play with a supported USB controller or a mouse and keyboard. Just as a quick recap, the games that you can get with Stadia Pro, Destiny 2 The Collection, Grid, Guilt, SteamWorld Dig 2, SteamWorld Quest, Hand of uh, Gilgamesh, 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 <laughs> the Serious Same Collection, Spitling, Stacks on Stacks on Stacks, and Thumper. After the two-month trial, of course, you'll be paying $9.99 a month. Of course, you can cancel if you so choose. And it's interesting that I'm glad Polygon brought this into their article. Google is also making a change to Stadia Pro's default streaming resolution in an effort to manage bandwidth, similar to efforts of Netflix, Disney, and Sony Interactive Entertainment, according to Stadia Vice President and General Manager Phil Harrison. Um, So essentially what they're doing is they're doing the default resolution down to 1080p instead of 4K. Uh, this is not surprising. We were just talking about how we're all experiencing internet woes right now, kind of across the board. And so it does make a service like Stadia kind of feel like a, oh, 
feels like Stadia was never designed for this. <laughs> um, but it's interesting that they're, you know, finally adding this. I'm actually surprised it took this long because it was a big thing that they were talking about, making sure that there was going to be like a base Stadia available. And now it's already, you know, midway through April. And this came out in November of last year. So, um, Jessica, you said that you have a Stadia, but it's not in use at the moment. <laughs> it still has not been removed from its box. We have the Founders <laughs> Edition. Um, I think the concept behind Stadia, although not really technically new because we've had this kind of iteration before, is still a great idea, which is why we got the Founders Edition. But the problem is, and I, it's the games. There's nothing on there or made available for me that I feel is necessary to play and open the box for. I mean, maybe Destiny, but I've already mm-hmm. played it. Um, and well, I, I'm not, I don't disagree with you. I 100% agree. I think the thing that they, that Stadia isn't really pushing is the games that are cross play or cross progression. Like it went really under the radar that the division two was launched on Stadia and it's one of the only places that you can do cross play in the Mm -hmm. division. You can't like, I can't do cross play on my PS4 copy of the division, but I can cross play with PC players if I'm playing on Stadia and the cross progression is great because it means that I can bring everything with me and I don't have to start over. I mean, like, defini- a lot of that stuff just, I mean, sorry, that's, go ahead. I was going to say that's definitely like a, an exceptionally good selling point, but only if you play those games, I mean, that's not exactly. my default gameplay type of gameplay. Like, I, you know, I've dabbled, but I'm not, I, none of that really interests me. And I'm not saying that just because it doesn't interest me, it's not going to interest others. But I think that combined with the fact that there's not the best library out there ever, um, makes it harder for people that might be interested in it to get on board. Could not disagree with that statement at all. The only game that I've spent a substantial amount of time playing on Stadia is Darksiders Genesis Mm -hmm. because it came out on Stadia for console first and then came to the other consoles later. And so I really enjoyed my time with that game. But given everything that's happening with bandwidth situations kind of across the board with you know, um, ISPs, particularly in the United States, I don't, I can't speak for how it is, you know, in other countries, it just feels like Stadia is just kind of in a bad, in a bad moment right now. And that they, if I was on the Stadia marketing team, I would kind of pull back any kind of PR beats that we had planned until we're through this moment. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I kind of look, yes, I look at, yes, I totally agree. I also don't, I think while they're in a tough spot, everybody's kind of in a tough spot. I mean, and so I like the fact that they're making this available in such a way to people that are stuck at home right now. I think that's very kind. Um, certainly not something that they have to do and also very smart as from a business perspective, like maybe you never know people are stuck at home. If they get a chance to try it out, maybe they'll you pick this up permanently and this will become their default thing. Cause now they've had two months or however long we're going to be stuck at home to get used to it. So I think it's both very nice and thoughtful and very smart business-wise. But I st- but aside from that, like if this hadn't been happening right now and they announced something like this or 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 maybe not, maybe it was just like more stuff for Stadia but it wasn't any improvement in their library, I don't know if it would I it would even be on my radar. Yep. You're not alone. 
Steimer, what's your thoughts on on Stadia? Are you excited to play stuff on Stadia, or you, you do you kind of feel how we feel? Oh, I, you should, you should already know this. I don't care about Stadia, <laughs> like, and, but I think it is more of what what Jess was saying. Like, there's not a reason for me to care about Stadia. There's nothing I want to play that I can't play anywhere else, and I already have everything else. So give me a reason, and I'll have a reason. Yeah. Well. I think I think that's that. Um, okay, so just a quick in case you missed it, I'm trying to find you know some good feel good stories that are happening around the COVID nineteen pandemic, and um, one of the ones that I wanted to highlight this week is right here in local to the Los Angeles area. So a lot of you out there probably have heard of the fantastic art house I Am Eight Bit. They have worked on a bunch of different events and projects over the years, but they also have an art gallery here in Los Angeles. And right down the street from that art gallery is a really cool barcade called Button Mash. I am 8-Bit has done several events there. A a lot of people that I know that live in the area um, hold their birthday parties and things there. It's just a really cool place for gamers to kind of get together and have drinks and play some cabinet games. Um, Obviously, because of the shelter in place, businesses are closed across the country and restaurant workers are among the hardest hit because they rely so heavily on day-to-day financing tips, um, business, etc. So I am a bit decided to hold a fundraiser for Button Mash. And what's great about it is even if you're not in the LA area and you've never heard of Button Mash, but you love I Am 8-Bit art and some of the games that they've helped work on, you can go to the I Am 8-Bit website and buy one of the quarantine boredom packs. They've got five different levels and in each of the levels um, includes different things. So for example, the $25 pack includes one video game, um, one coupon, which I believe is for Button Mash. You get Button Mash recipes, a printable coloring book and some tokens to play but the higher levels include video game soundtracks comics and then even in some of the the highest level includes a super rare piece of art um so if you guys are interested in helping support a local business here or if you just want to help i am 8-bit support them and you want to get some cool i am 8-bit stuff uh, you can check out that fundraiser at i'm 8-bit.com Okay. And I think that's going to do it for probably the shortest news segment we've ever done. I feel like we should do these at a clip more often. What do you think, Steimer? Yeah. We're just rocking and rolling. (laughs) I kind of liked it. I was like, yeah, okay. Next story. Yeah. Okay. Hit me with it. Next story. Exactly. Keep it moving. Um, so we're going to take a short break. When we come back, um, we're going to do our segments a little out of order because, as I mentioned, um, Jessica has some other commitments tonight. We're going to go ahead and use your questions to figure out what she's working on, get answers for you, and basically just, you know, I, I want to talk about Vogue later. I'm just going to say it. Oh, okay, cool. Talk. Yes, let's, about, talk, let's, talk, let's talk fashion. Yes. <laughs> okay, everybody, we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. It is the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast. Like I mentioned, we're doing things. I know it's. uh, I said we're doing it out of order. Okay, well, sure, whatever. It's the third topsy turvy day. Who knows what segment it is? It's okay. If you do, do, would you prefer I introduce it as the third segment? No, I don't care. Let's just roll. 
Okay. <laughs> I'll please do the I'll just please do the intro again. <laughs> you know what? Fine. We're just gonna leave it in. Fucking leave We're this doing in. it live, everybody. <laughs> um so what we decided to do is um I obviously every week, you know, uh, we go to Patreon and ask for your questions. We also ask for your questions on Dear WGG and some of you tweeted some questions. Um because Jessica's here and she's working on so many cool projects, and I know a lot of you guys have a bunch of different questions about them. So before we get to mine, I do want to get to some of these viewer questions. Um, obviously, we want to talk about your very cool show that's on television right now. Before we get into the questions about it, where can people find Expedition X? So Expedition X is on the Discovery Channel, and it usually rolls out right after Expedition Unknown. So if you go to your menu system in order to DVR it or something, you're, it, it's going to be kind of impossible to find. Just look for the big block of Expedition Unknown and let it run because we are in there. We start around nine, I believe nine PM PST. And then from, so then basically it's an hour of Josh's expedition uh, unknown. Then it's an hour of expedition X. And then it's about an hour or 30 minutes. I can't remember which of an after show called after the hunt. And it's all in the menu system as expedition unknown. Um, currently, we are, uh, everybody's on hiatus. I believe there might be one more episode left that they're going to roll out um, sooner because I got the heads up you're going to be doing VO from your house call recently. So, um, nice. But, but because, <laughs> yeah, but because of everything that happened, everybody ended up having to go home. So that kind of threw a, a, a bump in the road for us. But I believe there's still one more episode left. And then um, from there, I have heard, although nothing specific, that they will be running out an international cut, and I'm sure they're going to be doing reruns as well. And then a friend of mine told me, everybody knows about this stuff but me, a friend of mine told me you can watch it on um, streaming on Discovery. So uh, Yeah, so yeah. I actually found it there too. So if you go to go.discovery.com, um, you can watch... I believe full episodes. Uh, so if you don't have cable or if you don't have like a YouTube TV equivalent, um, you could go to the Discovery website and, and watch it there. Thank goodness for internet streaming, man. Right? That's kind of how I only watch my TV at this point. Uh, I mean, streaming. same. We, yeah. we cut, we cut the cord. We weren't going to, but then because we, John and I like to watch a lot of live sports and that's very still heavily tied to cable. Mm -hmm. But thankfully, you know, YouTube TV, Google made a big investment in getting licensing rights to a lot of live sports. So we went with YouTube TV and have been really enjoying it. But um, Dilbert Pickled had a question for you. Jessica, what's it like going on paranormal investigation adventures and what got you started with paranormal research? Well, um, it's super, super fun going on the adventures because these are places that have been on my paranormal bucket list. Uh, I like weird stuff, um, personal, personal bucket list of items for, gosh, since I was like in fifth grade. And so that's kind of where it all started. So in fifth grade, we had <laughs> this is so sad we had one copy of oregon trail in the library and i always wanted to play it and there's always some friggin kid sitting there and playing it way way too long never giving anybody else a turn so what i would do is i would instead of going out and playing in the uh, yard at lunchtime when we would have recess i went to the library instead so that i could get like 30 minutes to an hour by myself on oregon trail 
It worked great for a while until other kids figured out they could also do the same thing. So near like the middle to the end of that school year, other children would go and jump on there before I got a chance because everybody then would just try to rush and get on there. And so while so if I wasn't able to get to Oregon Trail first, I would kind of sit and hover in the library and get super, super bitter and give like really nasty looks trying to get them to leave and make them super uncomfortable. <laughs> and in the meantime, to occupy myself, I would read all of these weird mystery books. And so it kind of started with, and that's kind of where my obsession grew, is that eventually I would read through like Greek mythology and I'd read all those books. And then that led into um, like Salem Witch Trials. And then I'd read all those books. And then that led into like Time Life Mysteries of the Unknown books. And so I would read all those. And so, and it kind of was just this one shelf of the library where all the weird stuff was. And I became super, super obsessed. And I think that that's actually the connection between gaming and these paranormal shows for me is that now you're seeing Mothman and, you know, different kinds of cryptids show up in like Fallout 76. Whatever you think about that game is your own thoughts, but like they're there, you know, and that's stuff like you wouldn't normally have seen even maybe 10 years ago. So there's this weird crossover now of... um cryptids, paranormal. I mean, we have like a bunch of classic video games that kind of establish themselves in the horror genre with ghosts and weird uh, rituals and things like that, like Fatal Frame and Silent Hill and all that. And so I think it just kind of was a natural progression for me between the two worlds. And yeah. And so now that I get to go live it, I'm having a I don't know if I can swear on here. You can totally swear. You can. You can swear. I'm having a shit ton of fun. Oh, good, because I dropped a fuck earlier, and I didn't know if you guys heard it or not. Okay. We're we're good. We're good. This is an M for Mature rated podcast. Um, I never would have anticipated that the genesis for your love of the paranormal originated with Oregon Trail. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. Yes. I mean, it was, and even before that, like, that was the real, I think Oregon Trail was the cement. It cemented it. That like sixth grade, fifth grade, I've got nothing to do. I don't want to go socialize with other children. So I'm going to sit in the library by myself. That definitely cemented it. But it was even before that when I would sit there and when I was little, even before, you know, like when I was in like, gosh, I'd say first grade, my block of television was the A-team and then um, Ripley's Believe It or Not. And then, so that was my jam. And I would just sit there. And even though Ripley scared the bejesus out of me, I would watch it every time. And that was like a great chunk of television. And then as I got older, it shifted from Ripley's Believe It or Not into, um, you know, Unsolved Mysteries. And so it's just all these little bits and pieces that just kind of meshed at the same time during my formative years and has turned me out into the very functional adult that I could, that you currently see before you. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. I'm I'm super into that. And I love I love when, you know, kind of origin stories have these really interesting um multi-layered um you know, story to them. Um, I do have a couple more questions here for you. So this one comes from Punctify. We actually had a couple of people uh, write very similar questions to Punctified question. And, and he writes, what was the biggest challenge in taking your love of spooky stuff and experience from your podcast to television format for Expedition X on Discovery Channel. I guess I never really asked you how involved you were with the production. Obviously, you were on-camera talent, but did you also do uh, some of the producing for that show as well? 
Not really. They certainly asked us our opinion about what our interests were, where if we could go anywhere, where we would go and why, um, you know, things of that nature, like which cryptid is your favorite? You know, like we all like they definitely checked in with us. But, you know, it's also as as paranormal driven as Expedition X is, I think what gets lost in it to a certain extent is how physically demanding that job is as well because we are in Cambodia. So we're hiking through the rainforest by ourselves. We're in, you know, um, off the grid in the mammoth caves in Kentucky where they haven't even explored yet. And, and so there is this for keeping it in, keeping it in the video game family. It's, it's very much a, um, like Lara Croft, uncharted Tomb Raider esque, you know, Indiana Jones kind of, physicality that's involved with these shows as well and so that being said that is definitely not my wheelhouse <laughs> and, and I suffered greatly and they uh I'm, I'm glad that they took the wheel on that because I don't think if I was trying to produce something that had that much involvement in regards to how tough it was just for these locations I don't I don't know if I would be able to pull it off like, I think, yeah, I, I remember at one point halfway through, I mean, you got to remember, I've been in the industry roughly for like 14 years. I think the last time I did any kind of physical activity was my sophomore year of high school playing softball. What? <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, like I don't do stuff. I sit and I play games and that's fine. And I like my life that way. And so I just remember specifically halfway through shooting the show thinking to myself, oh God, like I don't know if I can, uh, if I'm going to survive this. And it was literally just put my head down and make it happen because that was the only option. In hindsight, now that I'm away from that, I and it did get easier over time, but at the at the time, like, I'm so grateful. It was so much fun and I absolutely would love to do it again. But thank God I didn't know that much about it going into it other than the paranormal because I think it would have terrified me had I known how tough it was going to be. So that would also it's, answer how the one thing that was like the hardest thing to transfer over was, you know, hiking and breathing and moving. <laughs> it's a little different to like sit and talk about something at your house than it, or even yeah. on a set than it is to actually physically go there. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. And I mean, in the 100%. middle of monsoon season, and so you're getting bit by mosquitoes, and I had to get all of these like um, shots before I was allowed to go anywhere. And it was... Um, and then you'd get there and it was like 100 degrees and humid, like 90% humidity, and you'd just be like, oh my God. I just remember this one part... And I know we're short on time, but it's such a good story. I'll try to make it fast. I just remember this one part. We're in the middle of a scene where we're talking to a guy about a tech tech, which is like the Cambodian version of a Bigfoot. And we have a fire lit and everything. And it took us forever to make that friggin' fire. And right when we light it and right when they're in the middle of the scene, just a downpour happens. And I'm talking the hardest rain that I've ever experienced oh, no. in my life. To the point where the river that we were sitting by started flash flooding. So we had to run and take cover in a cave, but we didn't know that the cave was full of bats. And so we're sitting in the cave and we have these <laughs> headlamps on and the bats are like, what the fuck? Like we were sleeping oh and they get super pissed and start dive bombing oh, no. us and slapping us in the faces with their wings. And I'm like, I, how 
did I get here? <laughs> oh my that God. would be terrifying. Yeah. So it was, but you know, and, but what a great story. And now I can share that with my kid and his kids when he gets older and like, like, guess what your grandma did. So, you know, now that I'm out of it. slapped in the I'm face like, by a bat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're a Batwoman, uh, That's I think. amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but we have so many other great questions that we're just not going to have time to get to. I'm sorry, everybody. But I will hold on to them for the next time that we can get you on the show. Because I do want to ask about Vogue Leader. So for people out there that aren't familiar with Vogue Leader, how would you describe what Vogue Leader is? So one of my other passions that I had buried for a long time because I thought it wasn't cool to be uh, super, super feminine when I was trying to make it in gaming and just make it in general. I don't know. I just wasn't comfortable with myself, I guess. Uh, actually, that's probably closest to the truth is that I really like fashion and I really like makeup and I really like, surprisingly, all this girly stuff. And I had buried it for a long time. And then I just think I got to a point where I'm like, why am I, why am I not like turning my nose at that? What is, what is my problem? And so I really kind of, um, and then on the flip side of it, it was also just my age as I was getting older and I, and my styles were changing, but I still loved gaming and I still loved, for lack of a better phrase, nerdy, geeky stuff, fangirl stuff. I was not finding things that allowed me to, um, celebrate that in in a fashionable way and things have changed there's definitely you know there's a lot more options now but um but yeah so that so there's a lot more options now and i'm i'm out here to try and celebrate that and that's what vogue leader tries to do is show you the alternative ways of representing what you like and what you're a fan of while also being stylish for the sake of because you like to be stylish and you like to put good clothes together um the new thing that I'm bumping up against with Vogue Leader is that now for my age, I'm wanting things that are more sustainable, better quality, can last a long time. And that's where the new road bump for Vogue Leader, I think, is. Is like where now that gamers are getting older, they're in their 40s, there's more people getting involved in gaming because there's more options in how to game. And how how are they able to celebrate what they want to celebrate by also in, and also investing in things that reflect what how they want to represent their age bracket as well as their fandom you know cuz it's one thing to have a cool t-shirt but and that's great and i have a ton of those but i also at 42 going on 43 want like a really 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 nice Final Fantasy VII remake jacket or something, but something that like mm-hmm. I can wear out that doesn't look like I'm cosplaying. But if you were somebody that saw me on the street and you too were a big fan of Final Fantasy VII, you could look and you'd be like, "Oh shit, I know what that is," you know. And then you guys give each other the look. I guess it's the equivalent of like people that get those fancy cars and kind of do the little like while they're driving, like, "Hey, I see you," you know. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But with leggings, I, you know, I don't know. I, but yeah, it's, it's like the I next feel you step. though. I feel you for sure. It's tough um, because so much of what is available in merchandising for gamer culture is still marketed and geared towards like late teens or early twenties. And then, you know, when you get into that age where you're like, yo, like I want something that is super representative of my passions, but isn't like a poster on a wall. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's instead like a really cool framed piece of art 
that's really nicely done. You know, I, I feel you there. So that's why I think I love what you're doing so much with, with Vogue Leader. And we have a lot of people in the What's Good Games audience that are older, that want the exact same thing that you were describing. So I wanted to make sure that we talked about it because I'm sure there's people out there being like, yo, that's really cool. I didn't know she was doing that. So where can people find Vogue Leader? Uh, you can find Vogue Leader on Instagram. And then on every other Wednesday, I've just started doing videos over on my YouTube channel, which you can find just by searching Jessica Chobot. Um, I also post every every time I have a video up, I also post it to the socials because uh, that's how you do things on the internet. So you can, <laughs> you can eventually find it. But if you search it, it'll pop up. Yeah, and I just want to make the point too really quick. Like I'm not against... The t-shirts, like there's, there should be entryway points for everyone. And I think that that is really important. So now we just need to work on the entry point for older, older adults that are into games. And that's kind I of agree. the goal for Vogue Leader. Yeah. Give me some nice, yeah. subtle designs, some crisp, crisp stuff yeah. out there. Yeah. And it really, yeah. And it really is just design. Like it can really boil down to just give me a nice t-shirt, but have a really cool, unique design on it. Don't just make it look like you put an, like you ironed on. A generic logo like the logo like, yeah exactly yeah there's there's ways to make all of these things unique and work and i and and justify paying maybe a couple extra bucks for the t-shirt could not agree with you more which is why we're working on revamping our what's good games merch coming soon to a merch store near you oh well, um, i might hit well, you guys up because i need to find a good designer for the chobot stuff that, yeah, uh, I, I've got some. I've got some names. We should. Uh, we'll sync up. We'll sync uh-huh. up later. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to chat with Steimer and I. I know that we would love to have you back on and have like a, a longer conversation. There's so much that we didn't get to uh, to chat with you about, including your Animal Crossing um, island that you're all the way in on right now. Oh yeah. Well, we. I, I, that'll still be going. I promise you. Hit me up next, like anytime. We can talk about that. Don't forget, you guys can find everything that Jessica's doing. Um, she is on Twitter at Jessica Chobot on Instagram at Jessica Chobot. We'll put all of her links in the descriptions on both the podcast and the YouTube video. Enjoy the rest of your night, and um, Thanks, we guys. look forward to having you back on the show. Thank you very much. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. everybody it is the final segment of the what's good games podcast an odd one this week but we did want to make sure to um get some talking about final fantasy 7 remake in hands-on but we only had jessica for a very limited time so steimer mm-hmm. we will absolutely be talking about this again uh once Brittany is back on the show because i know that she has been dying to talk about this game and i think She's going to bring a lot of interesting context to the discussion. Also, I have to give a disclaimer that Square Enix provided us promotional advanced copies of the game. So thank you to Square for giving us copies of Final Fantasy VII Remake. And now we can talk about it. So you have some experience in Final Fantasy as a recap because I know we talked a little bit about this last week. Yeah. So which ones have you played? So I actually technically have never finished a Final Fantasy. The closest one I got to was, fuck, I don't remember which number it is. It was on um, the PlayStation Vita? I think it was, was it on my Vita? No. I don't remember what even platform I played it on. Uh, That's how long ago it was. But it was, um, 
shit. I'm like, I just remember like the ha ha ha. It's like the ha 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 one, which I know makes no sense to you, but anyone listening to this is like, ah, it's that one. Like they, they will know immediately which Final Fantasy it is. 10? Fucking, I, there's too many numbers with Final Fantasy, but that's uh, a popular one from what I've seen. Yeah, I'm like trying to remember his stupid name. Like he's got a, but all is, all that's coming to my brain right now is Cloud, which because obviously I've been playing Final Fantasy VII remake. Um, I yes. have played a little bit of Final Fantasy VII the original, not much though. Um, I played it at when I very long time ago when I used to work at IGN, I went over to Ryan Clement's house, who was also a fellow editor, and I would play Final Fantasy VII on his PlayStation because I didn't have a... I don't know if I didn't have a PlayStation at that time or if I just didn't have that game. I think I just didn't have a PlayStation. I may have just had an Xbox, but whatever. So I played like a decent chunk I thought of the game. I don't actually know now because the, the remake has obviously like distorted my realities of what the original was. Um, and I was talking to Brittany over the weekend when I was playing this about it because I, there were certain things that I, I kind of went into this a little bit dark. I knew obviously that it was final fantasy seven. I didn't know how much they really had changed. I didn't really know much. So I'm like, it's prettier. I assumed that was it. But then, like, a few things had popped up, which we'll talk about later. But I had texted her, and I was like, I'm confused. Like, who is this person? <laughs> and she was like, oh, no, no, he's new. And I was like, ah, okay. So they've, like, added new characters to this, which I ha- actually had not realized because, again, hadn't really been paying much attention. Um, and I and they've definitely extended the the length of time that you are in certain areas. So they've, they've padded it out, as you would say. Um but so far, I've really been enjoying my time with it. I think you and I are both at similar timestamps. We're both roughly... I'm like, think I'm on Chapter 9, you're on Chapter 8. So like we're not very far off of each other. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I've got to say, I'm, I'm digging it, and I'm eager to hop back in tonight and play some more. Yeah. What's been really interesting is kind of looking at how people who have had access to the game are feeling about it. Brittany and I did a little bit of a review roundup in Monday's episode, you know, kind of looking at all of the nines, which is really like the dominant score that we've seen, nines and eights, which is a fantastic and phenomenal score. But, you know, there are a couple outliers. There's obviously, you know, a couple of tens here and there, but there's also some much lower scores, like a, like sixes, which I found to be quite surprising. And whenever I see somebody give a game a six, that to me means something's broken about the game. And there's definitely nothing broken that I've come across so far. I've been yeah, playing no, for about 15 hours. Yeah, uh, at chapter eight. So I, as you guys know, don't play Final Fantasy. I dabbled a little bit in Final Fantasy 15 because it was such an action-focused game that I wanted to try it. The characters just didn't click with me, uh, the boy band of Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> um, and then, of course, I very infamously played a little bit of Final Fantasy 9 with Alexa Ray, and I never would have played that without her there coaching me through it. And then it just was not for me, just the style of that game. And so when all of the you know, build up for Final Fantasy VII Remake was coming out, I was like, well, it looks really pretty. And I got to play the demo at a couple press events, and I was like, well, you know, with the way that they were revamping the combat, I'll give it a try. But boy, oh boy, was I not ready for how much I was going to like this game. So I'm, like, really liking it, Steimer, like a lot. Yeah, I think um, you, you definitely 
would like this combat style a lot more. So obviously they have, that is the major change aside from the fact that now everything is 10 times more beautiful. (laughs) It's not pixel art anymore. They got some graphical engine prowess behind it, but the combat is just so drastically different. So obviously in a lot of traditional final fantasy, like old school final fantasy games, it's all turn-based. And for me, that was easier in the sense that like on the, there, there are fights on like motorbikes and the fights on the motorbikes have a lot easier if you're just like picking out what you're going to be attacking them with versus trying to drive the fucking motorcycle and hit the guy. Um, which I was like, God damn it. This is the one time I actually wish this was back to turn based. I love, I love that sequence. Um, um, before yeah, we get I, too far down the road of our impressions, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, I wanted to make sure that we talked a little bit about what the game is. Uh, Cause I know that there's probably people out there like me that are like, I still don't quite understand like what final fantasy is all about. Sure. So just like a quick like synopsis is this is a third person action adventure RPG. It is following a character named Cloud Strife who tells you a lot in this game that he is an ex-soldier and that he had a lot of exposure to an essence called Mako, which you'll hear a lot about in the game as well. So Mako is like the lifeblood of the planet that they live on. It's this green substance that kind of energy source gets into things. Yeah, an energy source and kind of makes people and, and animals and creatures and things act and behave in very specific ways. So you'll learn more about Mako and its effect on, on Cloud. And so he kind of lands in this city called Midgar and that's where all of this first episode based in and you get to meet this band of what they dub terrorists, eco-terrorists in the game, but I think it's very clear that there's this divided narrative between is this group good or bad? And the name of the group is Avalanche and then there are several characters that are part of this group Avalanche. Yeah, there's we've got Jesse, uh, and Wedge. Biggs, Wedge, and then, of course, Barrett. you've got Barrett and Tifa, who will become party members. Yep. Um, and they essentially are trying to disrupt Shinra, which is like President Shinra's company that's like the like the evil corporation. It's, yeah, the mega corporation that, over, overlord of the planet who are currently, basically, they have all of these reactors. The, the, the whole planet, or not the planet, I keep calling the planet, the whole city or whatever is like a series of plates. And then the slums are below on the actual earth level and all of the upper class are built above on this giant metal structure. Each sector has a reactor. That reactor is draining Mako. So that Mako, God damn it. Mako. I know we were like we were a talking taco. We, I wanted to say Mako like the Mako in Mass Effect, but it's, they say Mako in the game. Um, and it, it's just such a, an interesting concept and, I had mentioned when Brittany was asking me why I'm not attracted to Cloud <laughs> as <laughs> well, a character. Looks, and I was like, well, 12. for me, like a lot of the Final Fantasy style and a lot of anime male characters in general tend to be a little bit more androgynous looking. And I'm just not a big anime fan. And it's not because I, I, I don't like anime. I just don't watch it. There's just It's just never never really like spoken to Doesn't me. Doesn't fault your as a, Correct. It's just not an art style that I gravitate towards. And so this is that's a big reason why I haven't really played any Final Fantasy because I was like, I don't want to dump like 80 to 100 hours into a game whose art style I'm not like super jazzed about. But I mean, the art in this game is gorgeous. The animation is 
something that I was not anticipating and how much you get to see the animation throughout the gameplay and the things that you guys have seen in these trailers that Square Enix has put out is the animation that you see in the game as well. Like, it just looks that good. And I was not prepared for, for that. The only part where I ever feel like it doesn't look great is when it's minor side quests and you're talking to those NPCs. Like, those NPCs look fairly what I would think of as a... Not older RPG, but like a couple years ago RPG, whatever... They're a little more stiff, right? And they their mouths don't really quite sync up with the lines. But everybody else, like the actual cutscenes and the actual characters, the main characters doing things, they they are very beautifully animated and like they look incredible. It's just everybody's like, eyes are eyes. so pretty. <laughs> They're also sparkly. <laughs> They've got those just like big doe like, eyes, and everyone's got the very beautifully colored irises, and everyone has like a ring light on them at all times. Somehow, <laughs> exactly. it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, they're all so beautiful, and their hair all flows fucking perfect. And I mean, I, hair is hard I'm, to animate, but dang it, Jesse's hair looks so good. Yeah, like, all dang. of their hair, like Tifa's hair, looks really good. Um, yeah, I use it, Jesse, and then uh, Aerith's hair looks great. Like everyone's hair is fucking on point in this game which is good because i honestly would expect nothing less of a final fantasy game like (laughs) it's all about the hair it's all about the eyes they nailed it 10 out of 10 hair and eyes in (laughs) final fantasy 7 remake (laughs) let's talk a little bit about the gameplay so and the things that you know we we really liked about the game what what to you do you think has been something that has really stood out and grabbed you you've been like gosh i really like how they did that for me i i really like the more action-oriented combat. Like I said, um, traditionally, I don't mind turn-based. I'm not like you, Andrea, where I'm like, absolutely, I don't, I'm not turned off by it. I'll play it and usually enjoy myself. Um, but that being said, I do think it was kind of a breath of fresh air to have um, the more physicality and especially to see the animations of some of these things in action is really fun. Uh, seeing Cloud with his giant sword, like, yeah, I want <laughs> I want to swing the sword. I want to hit people with it. <laughs> it was kind of the whole point. So it really is satisfying to have that that combat. Um, this is a weird minor road tangent, but we're going to go there. Um, the one thing that I actually like about this, that's a weird thing, uh, is the fact that you can turn the difficulty up and down. So because... <laughs> There, I was just coming off of Ori where like you can't. You pick Ori at one difficulty. That's yep. your difficulty forever. And I've been working really long hours. So while, over the weekend, I was playing the game just on normal. And not really. I mean, there were some fights that were a little tougher. But I was like, you know what? It's fine. I can get through them. And I did. But I was exhausted during the week. And I was just like, I do not have the energy. I cannot be bothered. I can't think about what I need to do right now. I just need to smash it. So I just, bumped, I just bumped it down to easy and like rolled through some fights and was like, yeah, this is exactly what I needed in this moment. <laughs> Embrace the baby ass baby mode. Embrace baby ass baby mode. And like now once I've recovered from work for a little bit, I'll probably bump it back up to normal because I do feel like easy feels a little too easy at times. But I love the flexibility that the game is giving me and allowing me to just play it the way that I want to play it as opposed yes. to being like, you must do X. It's, I don't ever feel like the game is imposing on me. I feel like it is just allowing me to explore the world and to explore the characters. And that is something that I really love. 
Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I haven't dropped it down to easy yet because I think I've been just enjoying the battle system a lot more than I ever anticipated. And I have certainly had a moment where I got very upset on a fight that I lost. Um, looking at you, Reno. Um, oh, really? I think that's his. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, man, I, I hated that fight. And we're not going to talk about it. You know, we had said that, you know, we're going to make this spoiler free as far as like, you know, some of the major story beats and what happens, of course. Sure, we will be yeah. doing a spoiler cast, I imagine, down the line. Uh, but that day is not today, mostly because Britt's we, not here. We also, finished we, the game. Like, we haven't finished the game. So that'd be really a, <laughs> really a tough game. one. Kind of going back and talking about the differences and what I really think is interesting about this battle system. So obviously it's third person combat and each of the characters in your party has a different specialty and you have to get to know these specialties and then you have to equip your gear to kind of maximize what their specialties are so for cloud with his giant sword he can also do a variety of special attacks with the sword and he has magical abilities as well so you have this atb gauge and fill you have to fill the gauge in order to be able to use part of the gauge or the meter to execute some of these special abilities versus just you know smashing the basic attack button and swinging your sword around which is very effective with specific enemy types and that also fills your atb bar by hitting them correct yeah learning all of the jargon around final fantasy battle system was something that i struggled with when i first started playing this game and quite frankly like i got frustrated with And I was like, this is dumb, and I'm mad at this, and they should have explained this and this. And thankfully, John was there watching me during the first part, and um, he was like, yo, you have to do this. This is what this means. He was like, this is what this potion does. This is what this item does. And that's what Alexa Wright had done for me when I was playing Final Fantasy IX. She was like, this is what all this laundry list of items does in your inventory. I do wish that Square had taken a little bit more time to explain or tutorialize some of those things. And now I don't know if on easy mode, some of that stuff is more tutorialized or not, but if I it just is, don't that's even cool. know if it's necessary on easier mode. Like, I think if you play this game on easy, like you're never going to need to use a Phoenix down because you're probably just not going to die. Like if you do, yeah, bless your heart. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, but like, because <laughs> it maybe it's their easy. first time playing with a controller. Who knows? That's true. Yeah, um, um, but it's just if you are Phoenix down, will revive you. So just use that. Yes. It's <laughs> think like the Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So there's just like a, some a little bit of a learning curve for people who aren't familiar with the Final Fantasy uh, jargon, like I mentioned. But you know, now that I'm like. 15 hours in, I kind of got more comfortable around like the seven to 10 hour mark and really understanding. But then of course, that's when they added more items that I'm like, what am I going to do with all of these things? You just hoard them, Andrea. Don't you love hoarding? Yes, I do love that so far I haven't run into any inventory restrictions, which oh, I no. really love because just, you just pick up encumbrance more than anything. <laughs> no, Cloud has some magical pockets in those giant pants of his. <laughs> they just fill up. <laughs> those Mary Poppin pants. They I'm sure into it. are, yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's his pants are interesting. I actually really love his top. Yeah. <laughs> like super into the sleeveless turtleneck. Looks nice. The styling of all of the characters is really awesome. I just keep looking at Tifa going, that outfit wouldn't be that hard to cosplay. Oh, but then no. I would have to do a lot of crunches because she's got mad, mad flat stuff. That and like <laughs> your butt would be out because like that skirt real short. But you yeah, know what? I actually like Jesse's outfit better. 
Even though she has boob armor, which, you know, we'll set yeah. aside. I still think it's a really cool outfit. <laughs> I love Aerith's jacket. Not, I don't like her dress. Her dress is whatever. Her jacket yeah. is dope. That and I'm like, jacket? I actually just want to buy that exact jacket. Like, can you just make it? I will. We were just, as we were just talking about with mm. Jessica, like, let's, can you just make some of these clothes in real life? I would buy Cloud's turtleneck and I would buy Aerith's jacket. Like, those are things I would wear. I think maybe not together, but maybe together. Who knows? Maybe it would look really great together. It, it might. You never know. I literally just Googled this jacket to be like, where can I, where can I buy this jacket? Yeah. And apparently there are places online that sell this jacket, BT dubs. Nice. Score. So that's a, that'll I'll be a fun, that'll a- be a fun Google search for you later. Yeah. Going back to the battle system. What I really love about it is that, it feels like I can have the essence of what a turn-based battle would be, utilizing all of my different party members' special abilities and spells, but it feels way more accessible and way faster than some other games have, have done it. Now, when you think about you know third-person battles and RPGs, a problem that a lot of them suffer from is that you get buried in the menus while you're trying to fight, and it kind of takes the tension away from the battle when you're like scrolling through, finding a health item to eat, scrolling through, finding a potion to apply. And it kind of feels like it really drags on the pacing of the battle. And I think Final Fantasy VII Remake has really nailed the marriage between utilizing all of these items that you have in your inventory for each individual party member, but while also not taking away from the excitement and the tension in the battle. I mean, the music is a big factor. The, the music, the music is, is so good in this game. Yes. Um, and I love that they have like a little music collecting like mini quest in the game, which is cool. And then the tactical mode that you use, which kind of slows down time. So, it, I mean, when I say slows down, I mean, it really slows it down. But, but you it can is still, still see, moving. Yeah. Yeah. You can still see characters moving towards you because there have been plenty of times when I've gone into tactical mode when there's like an enemy like r- literally about to like slice my face <laughs> yeah oh god (laughs) exactly like that um but it feels like the way that they designed those menus that you can really flip through them quickly and once you get to know where each of the different things is on those menus you can really execute different spells and abilities really fast and get right back into the you know the full-time action which i think is awesome but they also allow you to do hotkey mapping to each individual character so you know one of the party members that you're going to fight with you know a lot in the beginning is barrett right so he's got this big mini gun like attached to his arm yeah it's awesome and so you'll want to swap between cloud and barrett in a variety of situations to do ranged and up close combat and so you can hotkey different abilities for barrett and cloud to the same buttons but then it does different things depending on which character you're controlling and so what i loved about that is part of one of the strategies i did was i mapped the same elemental spells to the same buttons but then kept potions and things like that the same so i didn't have to kind of memorize a bunch of different button patterns and i found it to be a really fun way to engage in combat it's just like it's just it just feels really good in a way that I I wasn't expecting because I just, to be honest, like I just have never been impressed with JRPG 
battle systems and like they don't feel visceral enough for me. I mean, because as you guys know who are listening and watching, like I love a lot of shooters. I love games that have a lot of, you know, combat systems that feel very action focused. And to me, a lot of these JRPGs, you know, I felt like I was just always buried in menus and I don't feel that way with Final Fantasy VII Remake and I love that I don't feel that way. Yeah, I think another thing that you will also probably enjoy because you don't feel that way is like the one of the fun things about Final Fantasy in general is like the scale to which the the enemies are at times a little bit. I don't know in this one if it will get anything as big as like a God of War scale, but there are some like really big fantastical things that you again, at least from my past experience with Final Fantasies, I never made it super far in seven, but that you get to fight and you're just like, what the fuck? How am I going to fight this? But like, then you do and you kill it and you're like, ha, I'm the best. That's always yeah, a really it kind of feels a little bit like um, like a like Bayonetta or Devil May Cry, right? Where you come across these like gargantuan enemies that you have to fight. Um, and I'm like, how am I going to use, you know, Tifa's ability on this thing? <laughs> she's gonna punch it to death. <laughs> yeah so if you don't know uh just running through the few first few characters that will join your party barrett machine gun arm guy as you said tifa is your long-term or long-term <laughs> your childhood friend is what i meant to say uh and she she punches she a punchy girl um and then uh Aerith, who will join your party is a she's the one like mage basically she's got a staff she'll twirl it and shoot magic people and can we talk for a second about this twirl? I think it's a, a testament to how uniquely they designed each of these party members that they all feel like their animations and skill sets and not obviously just the way that they're voiced, which I really have been enjoying the voice acting, but just like the way that they fight, the stances they take, the the animations they have are just so well done. They feel so unique to each character. I remember my first battle with Aerith in the party and I and I controlled her because I wanted to see how the magic worked. And I was just like, gosh, she feels so dainty. She does. Yeah, no, she's very light. Like, and even, but it was just kind of fun to be like, pew, 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 pew. Like very daintily like, hee hee, here's some magic. But then it like drains their health. And you're like, hee hee, yes, I murder you. <laughs> uh, I murder you from afar and gently. That's how I feel. And then, yeah, it, it was, that's actually interesting you bring that up because then switching when you switch over to someone like Tifa who like has to kind of get up in there and really punch at people, it feels different. And then when you switch to Barrett, who's just, all, first of all, a large dude, um, feels a little different and you have a little bit more weight to him because he's number one large and number two has a giant machine gun on his arm. Um, so yeah, they, they did really do an, a nice job. So when you, when you switch between the characters in your party, the battle will feel different. Yes. I mean, I could keep going on and on about the battle system, but I do want to talk about, of course, some other things in the game that I thought was really great. So one of the things that I think they really excelled at with this game is the dynamic between the different party members. Now, as you guys know, I obviously did not play the first game, um, the original game, and so I don't know how the writing was and how the dynamic felt in between the original party members, but... I love that it feels like each of these characters has such a specific point of view and none of them feel like they're just like tacked on or side characters. They feel like they have a place and they have their each have their individual moments and I just kind of love the individual personalities and I think that 
it's such a, a nice departure because I think back to my time playing Final Fantasy IX and how I renamed all the characters, which I admit was a mistake. Should not have renamed but them. But they allow but you I'm, to do it. They do. And so I, I, I thought that they were just going to be my characters. I didn't realize I needed to know that they had real names. Yeah, <laughs> I no, like, I, oh, I get to pick you, their names. You could do that in, obviously, like, Seven in the beginning or the original as well. And I am glad that they're like, no, you're not doing that here. Like, these are the characters. Here's who they are. And I think that yeah. was a, the correct choice. Because, like you said, if you're playing this game and, like, Tifa's coming at you as Britney Spears, it's going to feel a little different than if her name is Tifa. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. Um, Brittany would be definitely the name I would go with in going, continuing my pop star um, theme with my Final Fantasy characters. But I just, I have been so impressed with so much of this game. I absolutely see why people are very happy with what they've done. And from what I've read of other reviews, it seems like they've been, you know, very faithful and recreating very specific parts of the game and that people have been very, really happy with that. What I do want to mention, though, is there were a couple of things that I was, like, a little disappointed with. I was like, hey, you know, if you're going to spend this gigantic budget remaking this game and making it this episodic thing, you know, like, why wouldn't you fix a couple of things? And, like, the one thing that keeps standing out to me is some of the traversal. So there's sections of the game that are not fully open world, but they feel like open-ish instances where you can explore and go find secrets and things like that, and that there's still some antiquated ways of moving through the world. And it seems to me that they probably restricted some of Cloud's movement because they wanted to preserve some of the animation of his character models. And I just don't know why, if you're going to like go all the way into the 3D remake that you wouldn't just like go all the way especially with the work that the team did and i know that the teams aren't identical the team that worked on final fantasy 15 but i mean it's still the same company like this idea that they would put all this work into an open world final fantasy game like 15 and at least take some of that tech and bring it in to the remake i was a little bit bummed about but it wasn't enough of an annoyance that it like bothers me like on an ongoing basis it's more of like a this is annoying that I have to like move in this weird way. Like, for example, you have to stand in these like highlighted spots to go up and down specific sets of stairs or to go across specific walkways to like wedge yourself like in smaller spaces. Like you'll see this high blue highlighted square that Cloud has to stand in and then it like initiates the movement animation. Yep. And it just felt like it was a little overused in what I've seen so far. I was just like, why didn't you just like let the player control cloud there like i can jump over here but then i can't jump over here i can walk off this ledge over here but then i can't walk off this ledge just felt like there was a lot of inconsistencies it's a, in the character traversal it's a lot more and i put this very mildly more like traversal puzzle versus traversal itself like they want you to find the way they intended for you to get to a spot they don't want you to like ever experiment or figure out on your own how to get there um, it's like, did you find, like, as you said, the blue square? <laughs> like, did you find it? Because <laughs> if you could get find it, you're fine. You're going to get there just fine. Which is why I say puzzle is very light because it's not really hard to figure it out. It's just like you you can only go a very specific way and the game, it's very linear. Like, the game is like, no, no, you must do this if you feel like getting that box over there. Um, 
Right. So yeah, I, I, I think, agree. Yeah, and I think the reason why it kind of stood out to me is because the game does reward you for doing exploration, right? They do want to encourage you to like go around that corner. Maybe you're going to find a chest with some materia inside, or maybe you'll find a container, you know, with some potions that you're going to need for a battle that's down the road or what have you. And so I, I like that they reward exploration in this game, but it also at the same time felt like you said it's very designed exploration. Like, oh, we want you to explore only down this one path because it leads to this one chest. But like this other thing, don't worry about. The other thing is not worth your time. Don't go there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, that's definitely what it is. It, um, I personally didn't mind it because I feel that is fairly normal for for a game like this um but i also didn't play uh final fantasy bro squad so i'm not sure what they updated yeah i mean it i don't i don't know who from that team also worked on this game i would have to reach out to square enix about that and ask them specifically like what the overlap in the team was in, in relationship to this aspect of the game design but that was just one thing, but I think it speaks volumes that like, that was like the smallest nitpick for my time with the game so far. And like, I thought I was not going to be into the storytelling because there's a lot of JRPGs that I just like spend my time eye rolling because I'm like, Oh God, this is so annoying the way that they're talking to each other. And they're so emo and dramatic and I can't deal. And I just get frustrated. And there was some of that in the beginning where I was just like, really? Come on. And we're going to do another big sword joke? Really? <laughs> I mean, was, it is a big there's sword. There's a lot of them. <laughs> it's a big sword. Did you, could you bring sword. yourself to switch him out of it? I couldn't. Out of the buster sword? Yeah. I'm using a different weapon because oh. it had more materia slots. I couldn't do it. I'm all it. about that materia. I know materia is great, but I, I just was like, it feels wrong to me to play this game when he's, when he's got any other weapon. Like this is his weapon. This is his sword. I'm with you, but I am going to go back because you, as you upgrade other weapons for your characters, you keep the skill points. And so you can take all of those skill points and then put them into the original weapon that they started with. And I'm, I'm planning to go back now that I'm unlocking more points in the tree where I can add additional materia slots and i'm getting other pieces of gear that have additional materia slots so just as a recap materia is essentially like a gem system and each of these individual gems has like a buff that it gives you and then it's you slot spell the gems. system yeah exactly and each uh, spell and then, can and upgrade at, over time so like if you have mm -hmm. if you have a gem or yeah materia gem and it's lightning you can slot that into your sword. And then in battle, when you hit the buttons, the tactical will go into tactical mode, go to spells, it will be there. And if it has like three stars below it, that means you can max that up to, to that amount. Um, so as you play and as you use it more, it will gradually fill the meter and become more powerful, more powerful along the way. Yeah, and it's great because as you get deeper into the materia system, there's a lot of them that will have passive abilities, which is nice. You know, having to actively manage all of these different spells. Um, and then there's ones that are more, you know, team-based where you can heal allies and, and you can buff other people, et cetera. There's, um, it's interesting how they really do kind of let you tailor to your specific play style while also reminding you, hey, like you're going to need these different abilities for different types of enemies depending on the enemies, like, you know, immunities or weaknesses, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the RPG part yeah. of the RPG, of the action yeah, RPG. Yeah, that whole, that whole system. <laughs> 
the whole rock paper scissors thing. I'm with you though that I I like the I like the Buster Sword and John very accurately noted the reason why it's so big is because he has to use it to block and so he can fit very perfectly behind it. He's very <laughs> small, like he's a him. small dude, but he's uh, like he's cut. Like I want my arms to look like his arms. Like that is my goal now. Yeah, is how do he's I do ripped. enough push-ups to be as jacked as Cloud? Um, <laughs> I guess you got to carry a big sword around all the time. I mean, I can try. I'll do my best. <laughs> I don't know how the fuck it stays there. It's like magnetic. Ba-ding! It just <laughs> sticks to the back of him. Um, it's it's just like the Mary Poppins pants. You yeah, know? it's true. Just, just gotta, some sort of magic we don't go understand. With it. It's a different type of material. But we definitely look forward to talking more about this. Is there another thing that you wanted to cover? No, I just think when you were talking about like how the story is unfolding, or at least how they're talking to each other, um, I, I the only character I got slightly irritated with was Aerith, because she's a little a little much for me but yes yeah okay <laughs> but otherwise i, actually I know exactly really... what you mean <laughs> <laughs> otherwise I'm, I'm actually enjoying cloud a lot and i'm enjoying how they are playing him because before i think it was i don't remember how many weeks ago it was in the show but we had that article where um the designer behind him was like i don't know if anyone's gonna like him i made him i can't remember the word he used uh oh yeah do yes. you remember i'll look this up yeah, but he's just like, I made him kind of, uh, whatever, negative, negative, usually associated word here. Um, and so far, I think that they've played him well and that, yes, he is aloof. And yes, he is kind of a dick sometimes. But he also seems to be getting, you know, a little bit warmer or at least trying. Like he is trying to human. And it's kind of interesting to see. Yeah, I'm trying to find the article. Um, the whole time, um, I just kept thinking, man, I feel like Cloud is definitely like channeling Steimer's salty aesthetic <laughs> with his attitude. Because he's just like, he is surly. He's just, just like, a lot whatever, of how much money just, do I get? <laughs> and like the, the quips, the jokes are so well done between the characters. Um, that there's just so much that you just have to laugh at the way that Cloud reacts to some of the these like just kind of shenanigans of the people around him. Um, can we talk for a second about this like dynamic he has with Jesse and how she keeps playing like this damsel in distress when she's really like super powerful, like with you know her explosives and things like that. Um, but that she's always like, "Oh, you're so hunky. Oh, Cloud, save me." I can't figure out if it's an actor not it i mean she's an actress so yes like or i mean i think it's like it's it's a it's like a little column a, a little column b i think with her where she's like yeah he's obviously an attractive dude but he's clearly borked like i don't <laughs> so i'm going to i think she just kind of does that with a lot of people or like that's how she plays it that's how she tries to play men um and i think she wants him to be around granted i could be totally wrong maybe she just really wants his wants his nuts i don't know but uh, maybe maybe in the end that they're finally going to hook up or she's going to like I told John ago there I feel like they're setting Jesse up to like be a double agent that she's like oh maybe, really yeah. that she's like really like all up in in his grill now but then then like later on down the line it's just going to turn out that she's actually been Shinra all along oh my god dun 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 <laughs> again I never finished the original I don't know <laughs> 
I don't actually know. What I happened. have no idea either. If that actually happens, this I don't is not think a spoiler. It will. I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't think it. I mean, I, I have a hunch it does not, but I mean, sure. Crazier shit has happened, I suppose. Um, yeah. I do think it's fun to see the summons. The So in addition to oh, materia. Oh, we didn't even talk about the summons. Yeah. It, uh, in addition to like, materia. Co- no, go, go you, ahead. You can, um, you can slot summons into your equipment. Like everybody has one summon spot. And the first one you get is a freak who's just like this fucking massive hulk of a beast that is fire like a giant demon. Yeah, yeah, he's a giant fire demon. He just like roars around. It's it's cool. It's just like cool to see that enter the it's battle so cool. and just come like help your ass out. And once the so there's a meter, and as you can summon it, it will like come up. And then once it hits that meter, you can summon. Then they come, and then the meter starts to count down. And then basically once. The meter is done they pull off one mega spell that just is super cool looking uh it would depend on which summon you have so with you free it's just like this inferno that surrounds the enemy it just blasts them into oblivion it is super cool i really like uh, i like them a lot i was not prepared for how awesome that moment was going to be i mean like because i'd heard of you know, the summons before and, you know, I had seen them in, in Final Fantasy 15. But I mean, like being in a really intense battle and then finally seeing the the summons meter when it because it only unlocks in very like randomly the very specific enemies. It's not like you can just use the summons whenever you want to. <laughs> You're like, fighting like only... four tiny dudes. <laughs> yeah, well, there's definitely there's a couple of fights that I was like, man, it would be real nice to have a summons right now. Um, but they only trigger with very specific enemies and, and bosses that you find in the world. And so when it finally happened, I was like, yes, this is so cool. So there, I won't spoil any of the other summons because Ifrit is the first summons that you find in the game. Um, you know, we think that that's probably a pretty fair game, but there's one that I have picked up now that I still haven't been able to use because it's never been triggered. And I'm like very anxious for it to, oh, for it to you- happen. So one of the side quest people, I forget his name, is a child, and he will help get you new types. Chadley. Yeah. He'll get you new types Chadley. of materia, and then he also like will put you into VR where you can fight summons and get summons for your uh, crew. Um, so that's one way to also get mm-hmm. them in case you're wondering or worried that you if you don't get lucky and find them or whatever. Um, there will definitely be ways for you to get your summons. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting thing that they've done, adding all of this extra ways to keep playing in the game for people who are just really having a great time or want to practice in the battle system. Um, the VR arena that Chadley has is is one way to do that. There's a couple other ways as well. And we can talk more about some of the stuff that we find later in the game, you know, in the weeks to come, because we know we want you guys to be able to discover a lot of this too. So I think it's good that we're kind of like stopping the conversation at about, you know, um, what I imagine to be like midway through the game, maybe a little less than midway through the game. Um, from what I've heard, most people spend 30 to 40 hours playing. Um, I think IGN put out an article where they said their slowest player took around 45 hours and their fastest player took around like 32 hours or something like that. Oh. Um, but that there's things that you can do in the game after like the final, whatever the final fight is, and that there's other things that you can run around in the world and do. And I thought that that was a nice way to like give players more opportunity to spend time in the world. But God knows we need man, something to do. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I'm anxious to get back to it. I'm anxious to play more. And I, I can't wait to have this conversation with Brittany and kind of hear her perspective on it as somebody who's been such a giant fan of the franchise and has been really looking forward to this remake. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that, you know, we're both having fun. And if you're like me and you were like, yo, Final Fantasy isn't my thing, I would encourage you to look at some other gameplay videos or maybe look at some other reviews and maybe go out on a limb like I did. And it might surprise you. You might like it more than you thought you did. Also, shout out to Wedge. He's just the greatest. <laughs> Wedge is great. <laughs> we like Wedge. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for our show for this week. Um, thank you for hanging out with us tonight. And thanks again to Jessica Chobot for joining us for the first half of the show. She was fantastic. We had so many questions submitted from you guys. So we are going to hang on to those because we definitely want to get her back. Have so much more to talk about with her and on all the projects that she's working on. We really didn't even get to talk about what she's doing on her YouTube channel right now. But we'll put all of her links down below um, in the description so you guys can go follow her or check out what she's doing. And of course, you know, Expedition X on Discovery. And don't forget, we've got our live show uh, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific time on twitch.tv slash what's good games. And for now, have a great weekend and we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody.